Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Hello again, welcome back. We're halfway through July. <laughs> My mom was a teacher and has long said that the time between the 4th of July and the start of the school year is the fastest part of summer. Anyway, I hope that you're still safe and well. If you have a cold, please consider getting a COVID test to make sure that it's not the Delta variant. Get vaccinated if you can, and please keep wearing your mask. All right, I'll take my MPH hat off and put my Classics BA hat back on because this is not a public health podcast. Today, we continue working through Virgil's Georgics. We are up to book three, which is more beautiful poetry. Again, I'm using the David Ferry translation, but you should have no problem finding something for free online. In books one and two, Virgil told, told us about agriculture and trees, but there's more to farming than that. There are also animals, and that is the focus of book three. Virgil starts with high poetry and envisions a festival in honor of Caesar, chariot races, boxing, processions. But in order to win a chariot race, you must know how to breed and raise horses. See what he does there. Clever Virgil. <laughs> Starting with some flattery before getting to what he really wants to talk about. And it's not just horses. If you want oxen to pull your plow, you need to know how to raise them, too, and how to train them for the yoke. And Virgil is happy to tell you everything you need to know. He speaks of how to pick breeding animals over working ones, how to keep your stud horses happy, what your breeding mares should and shouldn't eat at different points in time, when to focus on the father and when to focus on the mother, and how to care for the children, where to graze and when. He compares and contrasts the care of horses and cattle, and it is all lovely, and it goes on and on and on. <laughs> but horses and cattle aren't the only animals on a farm. There are also sheep and goats. I love goats. They're so sweet. But this isn't about me. This is Virgil. How does Virgil feel about goats? You know what? He likes them too. They deserve the same treatment as sheep. Their wool is useful. Um, I found that part interesting. I didn't know that they used to use um, the wool from the beard of a billy goat to basically make canvas. I, I did not know that. I learned something new from Virgil. Anyway, their milk is also delicious, which I agree, it still is. And sure, they can be pretty independent, but that doesn't mean they don't need you, especially when the winter comes. Everybody needs a nice, warm, stable to to pen themselves up and to keep warm in the winter, right? And then Virgil goes on to describe how herding works in different parts of the Mediterranean world. He talks about the nomadic shepherds of Libya and the Scythians with their fenced-in pastures. Now, having spent much time speaking of goats, Virgil then focuses on sheep. Sheep come in two colors, white and not white. And in order to dye wool, it needs to start out white. So Virgil explains how to identify which sheep might breed wool that is 
not white so that you can make sure not to use them as breeding animals. And you also need to take care of your dogs. Don't forget about the dogs. They are very important. And you need to keep your stables clean so that they remain free of vipers because those vipers aren't there to vipe the windows. <laughs> Sorry. Bad joke. I learned it from Animaniacs, of course. Tells you my generation. Anyway, I he spends way too long talking about vipers. I, I'm not a big... I don't like snakes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I shuddered at that section. <laughs> Anyway, you also need to know uh, at least a little bit about veterinary medicine because animals can and do get sick. And then he goes into graphic detail on different ways animals can get sick and how to treat those different illnesses. And it's, uh, well, I already said it's graphic. But then he starts talking about how the pastures themselves sometimes can be poisoned and and that's when I remembered that a certain pathogen is naturally occurring in many a pasture anthrax yes this is one of the diseases that Virgil spends a great deal of time describing uh, and he goes into detail on a specific plague a cattle plague that is not a human plague, but a cattle plague where so many cows died that there weren't any available for sacrifice. And yes, the culprit was anthrax. And that is the end of book three. I have to say that as a knitter, I much prefer the second half of this book about sheep and goats to the first part about horses and cattle. My nieces probably would like the first part better because they're horse girls. Um, but yeah, not me. I'm a goat girl. I love goats. But anyway, these two sections do run parallel to each other. It's almost like he really could have made five Georgics instead of four in book three could have been a, a Virgil three about about hor horses and cattle and a book three and a half I guess about sheep and goats um and and they, they so they they have a parallel structure they both speak about how to breed and care for the animals and how to put them to work and they have similar artistic but I, this is, I don't really go into a lot of detail about literary analysis, but you really could. This is a book that really lends itself to that sort of literary analysis, just looking at the structure of how, how it's put together. Um, anyway, back to, back to sheep and goats, because that's the part that I enjoyed. Um, my comment about sheep coming in two colors is still true today. It is very difficult to dye wool that isn't white. So sheep are either white or they're brown. And brown can be any number of actual colors. It can be, you know, all of these lovely tawny shades. It could have some, you know, red to it. It could be black. But it's it's any color that is not white. Um, because again, what matters is the fact that the sheep are, the wool is a color that can't be dyed. Today though, we, I mean, we do use undyed wool 
in both white and all of the, all of the different different colors of of brown <laughs> like i said some of which are not actually a color you would properly call brown they might be a gray or or a or a black and it, they're some beautiful colors that are natural however if you want a nice imperial purple stripe on your toga you still need to start with white wool because you're not going to get that nice imperial purple dye to take properly on wool that is not a white to begin with. But what really stands out to me in this section is how Virgil describes the care of the goats and that they are equal to sheep. And this is where my Catholic upbringing comes into play. Because I just can't help compare Virgil's discussion of sheep and goats to the Bible story about separating the sheep from the goats and the sheep sitting on the right hand of God while the goats sit on the left. And the lesson was always, you want to be on the right side. So sheep are good and goats are bad, which totally misses the fact that the goats are also sitting right next to God. So even though they're not on the right, they're still... But that's not my point right now. (laughs) My point is that basically what we were raised was that you want to be like the sheep so that you can be on the right don't be like the goats and here we I mean we can discuss we can discuss the theology (laughs) over on the blog if you want to but I couldn't help think I, I kept thinking about that story as I was reading the section on goats because while Virgil makes it clear that goats and sheep are not the same they do need to be cared for in different ways but they are both worthy of the farmer's care and attention. As as far as the ending goes, however, I'm not sure if every translation uses the word anthrax, but fairy does, and I definitely gasped and shuddered a little when I got to that line. But then I thought back to what I had just read, and the very graphic description of the plague does line up with what we know about anthrax poisoning and infection today um and I remembered then that oh right anthrax is naturally occurring in some pastures Uh, so it all makes sense like right it this all lines up um but I have to say that this is a section that probably hits a reader today in a world where even in the past year, Anthony Fauci received a letter with a white powder that had to be tested to make sure that someone was not trying to poison him with anthrax, simply because he's an epidemiologist and is trying to save people from the plague that we are currently living through. (laughs) It hits quite differently to me as a reader today in 2021 than it might have hit a reader in the first century BCE. So what do you think of book three? What's your favorite part? Or least favorite part? (laughs) Pop over to the blog and share your thoughts. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. The link to my Patreon is there too. Or you can look me up there as triumvirclio if you feel so inclined. No pressure. In the next episode, we'll continue working through the Bibliotheca with chapter eight of book one. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. 
And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.